this is uh, a message that I've, I've been uh, brewing on for, I reckon, about eight weeks. Eight weeks. Uh, this is a picture that was taken a few days ago uh, for a birthday. It's my wife's birthday today. Um, I'm, I'm married to an older woman for about six months. And then I catch up. I think she liked my youthful looks and charm. Uh, but it was Rebecca's birthday and her mum, Alison's birthday, is a couple of days apart. So what that means is basically up until yesterday, I, I had the privilege of eating leftovers um, and the huge size of cake I finished off yesterday was unbelievable. It was, it was terrible, actually. <laughs> the party that we went to was beautiful. Everything was prepared. We just waltzed in and it was all there. It was all done. It was, it was complete. Have you ever had to put on a party or put on an event or put something on? Does anybody know the rushing around that just seems to happen no matter how early you get there? I remember one time we were having people over and we were preparing the outside of, of our pergola area and I realised that there wasn't enough gas in the gas bottle and in my memory, that terrible moment where you actually run out of gas halfway through a barbecue, that is like one of the eight deadly sins. That, that, that's a terrible thing to occur for a guy. So I, then I had to panic, work out how I'm going to find the time, when I'm going to do it to get that gas bottle refilled. And, and because I, I'm too cheap, I don't want to pay top dollar at the local servo. I've got to actually go during the day and get it filled up manually. Like fitting all that in, rushing around. And then I realized the tables need a wipe down. And then I realized the chairs need a bit of a dust off. And, and you know, the lawn looks terrible. So I'm going to mow the lawn. And, and then the clippings, then I've got to go sweep up the clippings. And and you know what? I get all that organised only to realise that it's going to be way too cold. So we shift the event indoors, which means that you have to twist the table around, pull out extra chairs, you need another table because the table's not big enough, and then we're not sure if we've got enough food. Oh, what a nightmare. I mean, honestly, how often have we ever run out of food? Do I look like someone who runs out of food? How often is that? It never happens. But the fear of running out of food is incredible. So, so we get extra food and then we have the insurance policy. If you ever come to our house and there's like pre-dinner nibbles and food, that's the insurance policy. We're not sure there's going to be enough food. We'll try and fill you up 10%, 20% with munchies. And then hopefully that'll just, you know, help the main stretch a bit. Or you, you get to the fridge and you realise there's no milk left. Oh, we don't have time to get milk. We just have to hope no one wants coffees. Thankfully, on this one particular night, which only happened within this month, nobody wanted coffees. It was just teas, which was great. The kids didn't have cereal the next day because there was no milk. We just ran out of milk. The amount of running around and things that have to be put in place, it's tiring. It's just tiring. Everyone leaves, you pack up, you put everything away, you just go, oh man, that was a lot of work. It was a lot of effort. Do you ever feel tired? Put your hand over you're tired right now. Okay, if you're going to go to sleep in advance, just let me know now. Do <laughs> you ever feel tired? Do you ever feel like, man, I'm just tired. I'm just running around everywhere. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just tired. Does anyone really know what I do? Is anyone really aware of what I go through day in, day out? Is there any sense of someone who cares about me? 
Can you say that? Me. No, no, no. You need to sound French. The high pitch. Me. We. Me. Patricia, it's going to be a hard slog on Monday. Hard slog. Who cares about me? This one thing this morning is about who really cares. Does anyone really care about me? Does my spouse really care? Does my family really care? Friend at work, my boss, my pastor, my church, does anyone really care about me? I want you to turn your Bible to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. A couple of verses here that are so potent in what they have to say to us, so powerful, remarkable. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. This is what it says. And Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They're on the move. And they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught youngest child syndrome right there. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She was distracted. She was busy. Gas bottles being filled. The pig on the spit. Well, well not in that time because... She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, 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 you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that we would hear the one thing by the power of your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts, Lord, that we might hear that one thing that you want to say to us this morning. Help us to be open and to receive your word today, that we may never be the same again. And everybody said, Amen. If Martha was to stand for MP or PM, I would vote for Martha. I wouldn't vote for Mary. I'd vote for Martha. She's a doer. She's a goer. Martha is not a bad person. I sometimes feel that this story kind of casts this bad rap upon Martha. Does anyone get a sense of that? It's like Martha's doing the wrong thing and Mary's doing the right thing. Yet most of our life is quite Martha-ish, would you agree? There's just lots of tasks to do, day in, day out. You know, from the moment you get up, there are things that just have to be done. There are things that just have to take, we have to take care of. This passage in no way suggests that Martha is not interested in what Jesus is doing. He's not, that she's not interested in Jesus himself. The passage doesn't suggest that or say that in any way. The passage doesn't even say that Jesus is not accepting of her work. That Jesus is upset with her work. I, I trust that we understand that the reason Mary got to sit at the feet of Jesus was because Martha was doing the work. I trust that you see that this morning. That, that the reason why Mary can sit and be there is because Martha has taken care of it. 
Mary, to me, is like someone who's sponging off mum and dad. No one in this church at all. There's no sponges here. But you know what I'm talking about. You know, they're living at home and, and they just have heaps of free money because they're living at home and, and they just go overseas constantly because they're just living at home. Just sponging off mum and dad, living at home. Youngest child syndrome. I just need to be honest here. I have something against youngest children. Can you put your hand up if you're a youngest child? I want to know who you are. Okay, I just want to apologise in advance. <laughs> my sister got away with murder. And my parents aren't here today, so I can just say it how it is. Mate, we had to eat our greens and she got Hungry Jack's Happy Meal. I kid you not. But my mum will deny it to this day. Mate, it was like your parents check out when they reach the youngest child. They go, you know what? Nothing works anyway. <laughs> Let's just see what love does. It might work. You know, I'm the one, I'm the oldest child, so I got the experimentation. I got the, oh, that didn't work, we'll try this. Oh, that didn't work, we'll try this. You know, I'm the experiment gone wrong and maybe gone right a little bit. Mary, to me, strikes me as someone who's who just can sit at the feet of Jesus because it's just a normal, natural thing for her. Martha's the one who's, who's taking care of business. Mary's the one who's complaining she doesn't have the latest iPhone. Why can't I get the latest one? Mum. This was Mother's Day a few weeks ago. You know, there was a lot of Marthas running around making everything ready so that a lot of Marys could just come and sit. You know who you are. You know who you are. Martha was flat out serving coffee. I mean, Martha was flat out making it happen. And Mary was sitting in the presence, just enjoying, just taking it in. Mary got to sit because Martha was standing. Verse 38 says that Martha opened her home. See, she was the owner. She was the one who took care of business. She was the one who had the responsibilities of making sure there's enough income to cover the outgoings. She was the one who was paying the school fees. She was the one who was making sure that, that, that what was happening next week was already prepared and ready for it. She was provisioning for people. When she invited Jesus, she was opening up her house like an Airbnb for 15 people, just like that. Martha, was take, Martha had responsibilities, Martha had pressure, Martha had deadlines, Martha had things that needed to be done. Martha was under the pump. In contrast, Mary, it just seems like she did nothing. You know the name Martha? You know what Martha means? Martha means woman of the house, lady of the house, royal lady. Interesting, isn't it? You know what Mary means? Youngest child slacker. No. Mary means beloved. Interesting. And because I was in that range, I kid you not, I came across this name called Mahima. Mahima, could you put your hand up, please? Sarah's name means highness. Mm, better marry a prince, I reckon. You know, names have meaning. Names have effect. Martha is the lady of the house. She is, she is a royal lady. Mary's beloved. She's just loved, just beloved, just loved. I think Martha gets a bad run. The pastor's supposed to say today, okay, guys, stop being Martha's and just spend more time with Jesus at his feet. That's what you're supposed to say, aren't you? 
That's what you're supposed to say. As the, that, that's the word that you're supposed to say. But where is Martha going to get the time for that? I, I don't have time in my life as it is. Who here has a surplus of time that you just want to bring before the Lord? Thank you, Judith. I love the honesty. Anyone else have a surplus of time you want to bring forward to the front and say, here I am, use me. Don't, don't, don't rush it once, I can only handle one at a time. We, we don't have time, do we? we? We are so busy and so flat out. There is so much stuff to be sorted out. Mary could have just simply gone onto an app, Uber Eats, and ordered Maccas for everyone, but no, she was just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha has the pressure. She's the one who, who is feeling like it's unfair. She's the one who's, who's feeling like she's carrying the burden and all the work. I am sure in, in my head and my imagination, Martha walking back and forward has gone, <coughs> <coughs> trying to get Mary's attention. Mary, Mary, you know, sending text messages, constantly text messages, bing, ding, ding, ding. I'm convinced Mary's tried, Martha's tried to get Mary's attention. And finally, Martha's come to Jesus and said, Lord, honestly, honestly, I'm doing everything. Isn't it unfair to you? Do, you? do you know, Lord, can you see this? That she's there in your presence and I'm here serving and it's not... For, tell her, tell her to come and help me. Tell her. Jesus, tell her. Tell her. You see, what Martha was really wanting through that process was to be affirmed. Am I worth something to you, Lord? Do you know what I'm doing for you? Am I of value? It's, it just seems like Mary's the one of value. She's the center of your attention. You haven't even smelt the meal that I'm cooking. You've made no comments about what I've done. Lord, uh, do you notice me, Lord? I'm feeling left out. I'm, I've got this stuff to take care of and I'm just feel. Lord, have you know, Lord... Lord, it was a cry. Lord, it's unfair. I want to be there. I want to be with you. I want to be in your presence. It's a cry of a heart, a deep yearning to want to be affirmed by Jesus, to want to, to, want to hear those words that she's doing a good job, that she's doing well, that she's making a difference, that what she's doing matters. The problem for Martha is that she's not just asking that question, she's kind of comparing herself to Mary. And that is the issue that Jesus really addresses. She's comparing herself to what Mary is doing. And she's saying what Mary's doing is not right or good enough or the priority. What I'm doing is right and the priority. And so she ought to be doing what I'm doing. Have you ever felt like that? You're slaving away... And there's someone just sitting over there doing nothing. And you walk by, they don't even notice you. You know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you have no idea what I'm talking about. No idea. <laughs> we, we all know that to some degree, don't we? We all know that. Mary has fallen into the trap of seeking affirmation at the expense of the mission of Jesus. And Jesus will never let that happen. He will never let that happen. Never.
What Jesus does is he comes and reframes what Martha's really on about. He comes and reframes the question towards himself rather as a comparison between Martha and her sister. You see, Jesus is never about comparison. Jesus never looks at me and then looks at you and goes, well, he's better. Jesus never looks at Jim and goes, well, actually, Jim is the better spouse in that relationship. You know, Carol? Did I get that right, Jim, or was it the other way around? You know, Jim never... Sorry, Jim. I have worked Thank you. Thank you, Judith, again. Thank you. Um, Jesus never compares Andrew to Jim. Do you know that? Jesus never looks at Jim and never looks at Andrew and goes, well, that's Martha and that's Mary. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't compare you, Lisa, to Sheila. Can you believe that? In fact, last week there was a dilemma in this church, Lisa. You need to be aware that Michelle was wearing a flower in her hair on the opposite side and it was just so confusing. Um, so we're glad you're here today with your flower. You know, Jesus doesn't compare. Here's, here's how Jesus approaches us. The hairs on our head are numbered. Not Ben is losing his hair and Davinda's hair is thick and luscious like he's a 20-year-old. I'm, wor- I'm working on it, Davinda. I'm working on it. You know what God says about us? God says that He is our helper. Isn't that incredible? Is that amazing? Does that astound you? Does that capture your attention? That the Lord is my, hel- is my helper. The Lord is my helper. He's helping me. That's amazing. God says that he'll take care of me, even with my grey hair. God is taking care of Ted every moment of his life. That's the nicest way of saying, for your entire life, I'm going to take care of you. I've got you covered. I'm aware of what you're going through. I'm aware of where you're at. I'm aware of what you face. I've got you covered. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there for you. And Peter just sums it up so beautifully. He says, give all your worries, pressures, annoyances, frustrations and cares to God. Why? Because he cares about you. He cares about you. He cares about you. You know, sometimes we're good at giving God the big stuff. I have three children. I pray, Lord, may they know you all their lives. Lord, may they worship you and, and, and serve you all the day. May they... May they not just do that, but may they actually just fall in love with you over and over and over again. May they know the joy of bringing someone into the faith. May they know the joy of of being in your house because just the day in your house is so much better than a thousand anywhere else. Lord, may they marry the right guys because I don't want to punch them. And, And Lord, get a nice girl for Josh like, We can pray the big stuff, can't we? What about the little things? My stapler's jammed again. Oh, I have such stapler stress in my life. Staplers give me stress. You can laugh all you want, you Marys. But in Martha'dom, 
that is a big issue. And what stapler stress, driving the car. I need God's help when I'm in that car. Something changes and I'm just, help me, Lord. What's your small thing? What's your small thing that just niggles at you that you just haven't come to that place where you even talk to God about it? Where it's just like God wouldn't be interested in the small thing. He's too big doing big things. Why would I want to bother him with a small thing? What's your small thing? What's the small things? Because I'll tell you this, if you, if you think of small things like a small thing and you're wearing a backpack and you shove all those small things in a backpack, like some of the pictures Pastor Al showed last week, guess what? That backpack can get pretty heavy. And before you know it, lots of small things weigh the same as a big thing. Yet we see something very beautiful here in this passage of Scripture that we read together that Martha asked Jesus about a relatively small thing. Would you agree? It's a small thing. Do you give Jesus the small things? Peter's pretty clear. Give all your worries, not the big things, all your frustrations, all your annoyances. He cares about you. He cares about you. One of the things we see in the life of Jesus is something that we really need to take heart of. We need to capture. We need to capture this specific pattern of the life of Christ. Just as God created and worked for six days and then rested on the seventh, so Jesus had a pattern and a rhythm. And part of the pattern and rhythm was lots and lots of work. The gospel is mostly about going and working. The Great Commission doesn't say sit. The Great Commission says go. A lot of the Bible stories we love are action stories, aren't they? It's about going and moving and doing and acting. It's, 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 it's progression, it's moving forward. The Bible stories we love are those sorts of stories. I love David and Goliath. Who's a David and Goliath fan? Oh, I'd love to take down a giant with one rock. How cool would that be? It's my own mini Marvel moment. Throwing a rock and taking down, I mean Goliath. Luke chapter 5 says, Jesus withdrew often to pray, to places without distraction. If you're writing some verses down, you can write these down. Matthew 14, 23, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Mark 1, 35, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, slipped out to a solitary place. And Luke 6 says, in those days, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. He spent all night watching Netflix. No, that's what we do. He spent all night in prayer. What was the rhythm of Christ? He, he knew what it meant to just take some time out and just sit and just be. But you'd have to admit, Jesus was on the move. Jesus was always on the move. You just read the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was always on the move. In fact, they had to get him in prison just so he could write some letters and so we'd have them now. Yet there was this rhythm that Jesus exampled for us. You see, when we're pressed, it's that moment we need to cry out to him. We need to go to our prayer space. We need to go to our war room. We need to bring to him 
all the little things. The little things. You see, Martha didn't check out in this moment. She didn't quit. She didn't, she didn't just go, ah, I can't be bothered and just leave. She went and she spoke to Jesus. I think we ought to do that. We ought to speak to him. You know that speaking to God is the same as prayer? You could almost say that Martha prayed to Jesus and said, Jesus is unfair. I feel, I feel second rate here. I feel second rate. What does that verse say we read before? Give all your worries, for he cares about you. So what can we take away today? Well, the first thing we should take away today is that the mission of Jesus is really, really important. In fact, Mary just needed to sit and receive in that moment. And we need to be careful that we don't move people from that place. Because we don't know what was happening in Mary's life right then. Maybe that was the first time, the first encounter she ever had with Jesus. Maybe that was the first moment which she discovered for herself the love of God, the love of Jesus for her. Maybe in that moment, that was the first time that she felt the overwhelming love and the sense of Jesus, what he was on about, was something new and different and refreshing and amazing and incredible. And we need to be so careful that in our lives, we don't mess that up for people around about us. In fact, that's what we're doing everything for, so that people can have an encounter with Jesus, so that people can come to Jesus and be encountered by his presence and his majesty and his glory. We need to be so careful. It was right and proper for Mary to be there at that time. Mary was experiencing the bread of life, living water poured into her being. And Jesus refused to allow that to be taken from her. Refused. You know, in that moment, we just also need to receive. Even if you're a Martha, when you're having that moment, you just need to sit and receive. You know, there are some moments you just need to sit and receive. It was patterned in the life of Jesus and it's said to us here again. Secondly, we need to be aware that as a Mary, and notice for Mary, these things are all practical. You just to keep that in mind. That Mary had a break-open moment. There was a breakout moment for Mary. The Gospel of John records this astounding moment in John 12, where Mary had the audacity, the courage to do something so outrageous that me as a, a bit of a stingy guy would just really struggle with. This is what it says in John 12. Six days before Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he just raised from the dead. Pretty cool moment to be. Dinner was prepared in Jesus' in, in honour. Guess who served? I can't hear you. I still can't hear you. Thank you. Martha. Martha served. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate. Then Mary sneaks out with this expensive perfume, breaks it open and anoints Jesus. And this perfume fills the air. Something happened in the life of Mary in that moment at his feet that for her to now do this for our Lord was just so normal. And so special and so precious. You see, in that moment, Mary had transitioned from just sitting to actually now doing, to being practical. Can, can you see that? She, she was now doing. 
blessing our Lord, blessing Him. But finally, maybe for Marys, maybe it's also an opportunity for the Marys here. Maybe if you've got Mary tendencies, it won't hurt you every now and again to look around at the Marthas, to thank them, to bless them, to honour them, to esteem them, to help them, to go out and say, listen, can I help you? Is there anything that I can do for you? I see that you're busy with many things. I see that you're distracted and got lots of things. Is there anything that I can do to help you? I reckon that would be a good thing for Mary's to do. What about Martha? Notice these things are of the heart. I think Martha needs to remember who she's really serving. You see, what Martha was doing in this passage of Scripture was so that people could sit at the feet of Jesus. She wasn't serving herself. She wasn't serving her sister. She was serving God. Colossians 3 says, who do you serve? Who do you work for? Everything you do, who's it for? It's a great theme of Colossians. It's for Him. It's for Jesus. Everything you do, do it as if it were for the Lord. What a great way to live. What a great way to go about everything you do. Everything you do, everything you do is for him. Remember who you're serving. Maybe the second thought is balance. You see, you don't want to reach a point where you're serving and doing and and there's this root of regret and this root of bitterness and this root of frustration and, and annoyance. Corinthians is clear. It says, you know what? If you're going to give, do it cheerfully. Don't come and bring a gift that you're not cheerful to bring. And I would say that with absolute confidence. If you don't have any cheerfulness when you come and give, whether it be money, time, gifts, skills, whatever it is, don't bring it. Because for you in that moment, you just need to sit in the presence of God at His feet and allow Him to minister to you. Don't do anything that you're not cheerful to do. Jesus came freely. Freely freely we've, we've received something. So freely we give. We need to have balance, that we need to have time out as Martha's. We need to spend time with Jesus. But you know what? We're not talking hours. We're just talking that moment where you can feel confident to ask a question. That's all Martha needed. Martha just needed a pivot. She needed a reset. She needed to be reminded of what the real mission was about. That's what Jesus did. That's all she needed. She said, Martha, Martha, relax. Relax, I appreciate what you're doing. Everything you're doing is fine, but remember, this, this is why you're doing that. You're, you're on team Jesus. What you're doing matters. And because of that, Mary can sit here. You're, you're with me. You're partnering with me. You're in it with me. Thank you. But don't you even think about taking that away from her. Isn't that beautiful? Balance. Balance in Martha's heart. And then to trust that he really cares. Again, in John chapter 11, when Lazarus is sick, Mary and Martha try and get a message to Jesus. Lazarus is sick, you've got to come. Be quick, please. But I want you to see something fascinating in verse 5 of chapter 11. When Jesus finds out, this is what it says, Now Jesus loved and was concerned about Martha and her sister and Lazarus and considered them dear friends, the Amplified says. What do you notice about that small verse? Whose name is left out? Jesus loves Martha. Jesus loves Martha. Loves her. Concerned about her. Worried. Like he's, 
He, he's, he's passionate and, and aware that he calls them close friends. Jesus loves Martha. Jesus loves Martha. Martha isn't someone who's done something wrong. She just needed a pivot. And so Jesus spoke gently to him, to her. Martha, just, just pivot around. Just, just switch it around. So let us not miss this. Let us not miss this idea. Let us not understand that if you are Martha, if that's your normal way, we're not here to say you need to have 12 hours in church and you need to read your Bible and you need... No, 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 no. You just need to know that what you're doing matters for Him. You're serving Him. You just need to know that what you're doing allows other people to sit and just be. That's a beautiful thing. We, 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 need to not, we, we need to not forget that. And most importantly, the cry of Martha's heart, Jesus, do you care? We just need to trust that God cares. But actually demonstrate our belief and our trust in Him by giving Him the small things. The small things. The small things. I want you to know that Jesus is for Martha. Jesus is encouraging Martha. Jesus is gently bringing Martha around. Jesus is reminding Martha, Martha, what joy it is when someone discovers Jesus. What joy. I, I want a part of that. I want a part of that work. I want to be in that work. I want to be in that process where, where I can have a part in seeing people come to Jesus. What joy. What joy. Is there any other joy? Is there any other joy? So may we today give Jesus all our worries, all our concerns, all our annoyances. Because he cares about you. He cares about you. The one thing today for you to take home is that Jesus cares about you. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts in this place. Lord, that as we've opened up your word and we've allowed the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts. Lord, as we have reached out in faith and said, Lord, speak to me. Father, I pray that this morning, those who are here who desperately need to be reminded of your love for them. Father, I pray that they would be overwhelmed at this moment and this point in time by your love for them. Lord, that they would sense the gentleness of their name being spoken twice. That they would understand, Lord, that your love is so great, it's so deep, it's so wide, that, Lord, you are for us. Lord, I pray that, Lord, if, if there are some here who are, who are seeking that refreshing touch, Lord, I pray that they would make time to withdraw this week. Lord, that they would make time to just slip out from the norm and just have a brief moment, just some time where they are alone in a solitary place where they could cry out those things to you, the small things, Lord. Lord, I pray that there would be an unburdening of the small things of your people this morning. Lord, that the small things we would hand over to you and place our trust in you. That, Lord, not only are you looking after the big things, but, Lord, you're interested in my small things too. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful passage of Scripture. Help us 
to realise how loved we are. May we continue to love you. And everybody said, Amen.